Hey guys, we're back. I tell you, it's funny, Randall. I know you know what I'm talking about. You have an hour between shows. Yeah. In that in that time, you gotta f- t- take the dogs out, um, get the trash out, eat something, spend a minute with your wife, freshen up your drink. Yeah. And then it's time to come right back on. I tell you the bummer of it all, buddy. I went to the doctor a couple months back, and uh, he said you gotta you gotta lose some weights on. So yeah. where a couple weeks ago we were talking, it was pizza. Uh huh. You know it was for dinner tonight, brother. Uh, I, I I pizza. Good old fashioned salad, man. A good old uh, fashioned salad. <clears throat> Try you know I, I, it's it's funny because um you're just trying to do the right things. Yeah, I, I, and it's it's funny you say pizza because between shows I, I looked at my wife and I said, "Is it time to order pizza?" <laughs> you uh, I, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I probably say something a, a little bit off the beaten path here, but I recorded the rock and roll show last night, the classic album review. Yeah, yeah, and, and we got a great feedback by the way, and thank you everybody that watched that. So this is my. F- third night in a row of recording and if you my little office here i've got some tennessee collectibles behind me but there's a couch right next to me and they're just show notes strode all the way from monday (laughs) tuesday i I got it here you go i don't know how this notes yesterday's show equipment to wire things together notes from monday show notes from tuesday show uh you know, we do it. We put a lot of effort in it, getting this yeah. right for folks. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a labor of love for sure. So. It, it it absolutely is. Yeah, um, but you know, it's funny. I, I we created this show um, to you know talk some variety. You know, right. t- talk sports, but talk about whatever the flavor of the day is, and and, and to me. Um, I feel like we're getting to that type of time of year where you can talk both baseball and football. Yeah, and, and we talked a little NBA playoffs the other night on three R even. Yeah, you, you've I, got a you got a lot going in the sports world. Right, right. So, so you know, tonight I felt like we we could we could hone down on some baseball stuff and we could hone down on some football stuff. Sounds and, good. And we could do that pretty easily, and we could give value to people while um, not selling folks short. Um, Absolutely. So, so, so let's do that. Let's start in the baseball world um, because I do feel like there's a lot going on right now, right? A lot. Um, you know, you look at where do you where do you want to start? I'll tell you. I'll start. I'll start in Atlanta. You look at what the Braves are doing, and I I, I know you're kind of ho hum on them, but I I look at guys. Like Austin Riley, I look at guys like Dansby Swanson, and for me as an outsider, it gives me a glimmer of hope. Uh, it does. I, you know what I think we're picking up in Atlanta? Now, we lost Soroka for the year. Mm-hmm. Azuna's mess is probably mm-hmm. going to leave him out of the match. We won't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't like talking you, about that. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't expect him to play anymore. He's done. Uh, you call up uh, Almonte, who's a cast-off minor leaguer and now now he's playing like lights out yeah uh, but for you, how long yeah right yeah, for how long 
the Braves are still 500, but Atlanta yeah. is, I felt truly like they were a year early last year. And I feel like this team regressed from that, but I don't know if the regression is due to the circumstances and the injury or bad offseason decisions or just it's the luck of baseball. Uh, injuries this year seems to be running crazy. And, you know, we play in your home league. My whole outfield is on the DL. The whole yeah. first four outfielders I drafted are on the DL. Uh I got Sterling Marte back at the end of last week, but it seems like the major leagues right now, the guys that are digging, and I, evidently I'm not one of them because I'm in 11th place, but it seems like in our league you can really tell the guys digging who's active on the uh, who's active <laughs> on the waiver wires, and, and uh, it just really seems like a struggle to me right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I – I've kind of, I've avoided some of that. I've built a good team in spite of my injuries. You know, Juan Soto and I got, you know, Cabron Hayes days. I, I, you know, that it's one of those things. I have him in almost every league. Um, he he came up. Hey, Rich, how you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for just, coming by. Just wanted to say, tell him, hey. Yeah. Um, Thanks for checking in, buddy. But, you know, you look at, I, I don't know if you got a chance, probably didn't get a chance to see Hayes today, did you? I did not. I have been on a run up today. Yeah, so two for four last time I checked. Um, <clears throat> really, this is a kid um, that I don't think – I think people know he's pretty good. I don't think we would know how good Cabrian Hayes is moving forward. I think he could be a top five fantasy player in a couple of years. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, we were both kind of off the scale with him earlier in the year. The one thing we may be guilty of is sometimes seeing into the future and trying to project into the future or too early. Uh, and the injury probably derailed him this year, but what little bit we did see earlier in the year, there's nothing that's toned me down. Uncle Brian Hayes, uh, he's probably going to struggle coming back at some point. And, and the, the chappy law of averages, is that if he does struggle, there'll be periods where he don't struggle. So I it, I can't believe that somebody said they was a, he was available in their league. If you can get Cabron Hayes, go go get him now. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'll tell you, um, the, the, the thing about Hayes for me is he really um, – his – in an OBP league, he is um, he's about as good as it gets. He reminds me a lot of Soto. He has I, he he has his, his his bat goes through the path so evenly that contact just comes naturally. Now, is he got some? Um, does he have a little bit of Raphael Devers in him at the plate? He he's. He's a better ball-to-bat player than Rafael Davis is. And you know how I am on Devers. Yes. He's a better ball-to-bat player than Devers is. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is a kid that I, I, I feel like we've – because he took a little longer to get to the majors, because 
he's battled some injuries because you know the Pirates are kind of a, a forgotten team. I feel like he's one of those guys that just doesn't get enough notoriety. And I think by the end of the year, people will be looking back and saying, "Man, he did that. He's just that good." Well, uh, also I'll offer a uh, perspective that there's so much talent in that organization right now. Oh, yeah. That uh, someone like Cabron Hayes gets protected a little bit, but just because there's so many people on the same career arc as him, maybe he's a little ahead of a couple of people. But I remember that era where we had uh, the Braves, which is my point of reference, where you had Francoeur and McCann coming up together. And kind of silently, McCann was the guy that was left out of that group when you look at the production of the major league career, he was definitely the best major leaguer of the bunch. I kind of, you know, Hayes didn't, is here first, but I feel like some of the guys in the minors are, have came up with a little more hype even. But now that we see him, Hayes is the guy that we'll be talking about. Well, he's, he definitely is. He, he's the catalyst to the offense. Right. I'm really excited to see probably late July, early August, O'Neill Cruz. Because he's a middle of the lineup type player as well. He's more of a power hitter. So when you start putting these guys side by side by side, that's when it starts to become really interesting. So I don't know how much you're paying attention to the Pirates. I know probably not much. Kevin Newman's been pretty good. Look, I'm on this show. I've got to pay attention to the Pirates or our friend. <laughs> Durf will kill me. So, yeah, I, I have to. So, so Newman's been pretty good. Brian Reynolds is one of the most underrated players in the major leagues. Is that a bold take? That, uh, it's a very bold take. But Brian Reynolds is also a guy you hear other teams going, boy, I wonder if he's available. I'll I'll give you a comp for Brian Reynolds. You want to guess? It's a pirate. It's a former pirate. Oh, G- give it to me, Jason Bay. Good, 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 good. That's thirty. Not where I was going thirty homers in his prime. Stellar outfield defense. Between 280 and 300 most years. This kid's going to be special. He already is special. He he and Hayes have such high bat-to-ball skill that the 2-3 hole for the Pirates is sealed up for the next decade. Now it's just about building the nucleus around it. Would would they, um, at this point, I, you know, it's not the brave example. It's been other people's example. Do you got to get these guys up to the majors in 18 months, 24 months from now, offer them some sew-up seven-year deal that's at a little bit of a discount to get out of that rookie contract? And, I mean, I think we're all going to be saying that Ronald Acuna for the next decade's at a yeah. bargain. Yeah. So do the Pirates need to do a little bit of that to manage their budget? You know, they tried to do that with Hayes, and he said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. They, I, so, I mean, I think some of these – here's the thing, though. If you're a guy – I'll name drop. If you're a guy like Quinn Prister, 
I think he's 20 years old, high A, um, going to be a future top 10 prospect probably this time next year. He's that talented. Um, he, he's this year's Alec Manoa, right, from last year. So where everybody was talking about Alec Manoa, where I was talking about Alec Manoa last year, everybody's like, who's that? That's Quinn Prister, okay? Now, if you're a 20-year-old Quinn Prister and you see in front of you on the in the depth chart um, guys like Miguel Ajus, you see guys like um, O'Neal Cruz, you see guys like Hudson Head, you see guys like, you know, right on down the line, right? Nick Gonzalez, on and on and on. Wouldn't you want to stick around and build on that? Some will. I, and I, I do think some will. Uh, you know, the major leagues doesn't have shortest out window either. It's, yeah, I think it takes you six or seven years to get out anyway. So, I mean, it's not like you are going to bring Cabrian Hayes up and leave, lose him in four years or have to franchise tag him in four years. There's a lot of circumstances that can happen in the next seven years. And the one thing about it, too, is it, the Pirates have enough young talent. If they feel they're short in arms or short here, there's there's trades always to be made with that kind of talent, too. And I know fans hate hate hearing it. but Well, I, especially Pirate fans. Yeah, but I was looking at the Christian Yeldage trade today, and I was like, this is who the Marlins got for Christian Yeldage. And you just go, God, you know? I, I so, don't remember. I know Monty Harrison was in it, correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's, good. It's not a name in there that made me go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. And that happens more often than not, you know. I mean, you look at um, – I could give examples. I won't. <laughs> There's a lot. So. Well, I was – you know, of course, I always go to Jose Quintana for Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez. And there was another – I mean, you know, and then I go to the Chris Archer for – Austin Meadows and Tyler um, Glassnow and Shane Baz. I mean, you could just go on and on and on with these things. Well, and all franchise does it at some point. I mean, the Braves let uh, Brett Butler and Brooke Jacoby go for Lynn Barker in the late 80s. I, I mean, uh, Jacoby was a serviceable third baseman and Brett Butler a mini-year all-star. And, and Atlanta didn't have a center fielder for decades because of it. Yeah. yeah, we've all we've all done it. So, well, and, and that's the thing. So, like, again, I feel like the Pirates are in much better hands now with Shelton and those guys. Um, but you know, with, with that last group, I, I feel like they couldn't trade because they knew that they were going to get taken advantage of because they didn't have money to. They didn't invest their money in the recruiting department, and it showed. Oh. So yeah, if you really want Chris Archer, Chris Archer bad enough, give me two for for or future all or all stars, and the Pirates just bid it. I don't. That doesn't happen now. Well, and the opposite could happen too. I and I don't know this for sure, but the Atlanta papers seem to indicate that the Braves had an opportunity to get Jacob Degrom a couple of years ago in a deal that would involve Chris Sean Pagey. Austin Riley, 
and one of the young pitchers. And as great as Austin Riley's been, yeah, um, you make that deal for the best pitcher in major leagues anytime, you know? So you can make a bad deal by not making a deal too. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. So did you see the guy at Wrigley Field? That streaked across. He didn't streak, but he ran across the field with. Uh, right for Scherzer now. Yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense, right? It does. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you some numbers here. Chicago Cubs bats during the month of May. Javier Baez, two eighty one, seven homers, sixteen RBIs. 855 OPS. Sustainable? Not un- not unreasonable. Maybe some slack off, but yeah, I mean, those numbers, nice numbers. Uh, I feel like he's an elite player. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Chris Bryant in the this month is- of May. 327. Five homers, 13 RBI, and 961 OPS. For perspective, that's 110 points higher than Avi Baez's. Is that sustainable? I would say no, but my boy Ray Ray might be watching, so I'm not going to say it. No, I think Ray Ray's right. Ray Ray is right. This is absolutely who Chris Bryant is. Uh, and, again, Ray Ray would tell you you're – you're exactly right, and he made the point the other night on the show. Uh, he's played the best defense of his career so far this year. I love him in the outfield. Putting him in the outfield to me, and again, I every game gets blocked at, blacked out here in Indianapolis. So I've seen them like twice this year, which is why you don't see me wearing Cubs garb, right? Yeah. It's like falling in love, in love with the girl that doesn't want anything to do with you. <laughs> Done that. Yeah, so, but regardless, I've been a Cubs fan for 30-some years now. I'm still paying attention to them. Chris Bryant, when they moved him to the outfield predominantly, has opened up so much offensively that I don't know that he goes back to third base if they ever fix the situation with having full-time outfielders the way, you know, they want. Well, you're probably going to get a little more out of his – well, it matters your perspective. And I've always been a guy that believed that playing the outfield was a harder – it's harder on your body, beat you up a little more. Playing third is one of the tougher positions in the major. And if you don't believe that, just go down to your local softball league and watch Ooh. the balls – that's ripped down third base on a Friday night or a or Thursday night. I did um, it for years and years, brother. It's <laughs> it's it it's scary and it's tough. Yeah, and yeah. Playing third in the major leagues is it the hardest position in the infield besides catching? Probably, in my opinion. Um, much more fanfare around the shortstop position. But shortstop's those, tough, man. It's, they're uh, they're both tough. I, I mean. It's it's probably – I tell you, the thing about third base is you you have to have that arm. You have to have that arm. And, and that's why Brian's been able to stick there. He has a really good arm. Um, 
so, so this next player, I, so I'm sustainable on the first two players right now. Okay. Ian Happ in the month of May, 292, five homers, 13 RBIs, and a 971 OPS. Ten points higher than Chris Bryant's 961. And Ian Happ was due. He had a rough first month. This might be your normalization factor yeah. over a period of time. Yeah. Probably unsustainable, but, you know, I have Happ in a couple of leagues. I believe in Ian Happ. Yeah. I don't know if that's sustainable, but it's definitely – he was due for this kind of breakout after the April – in early May, uh, yeah. And, and I feel the same way. I feel like he falls off, but I don't feel like he falls off the cliff. I guess that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I feel the normalization is a good word. Um, I think he he plateaus out around a 270 hitter. Fair enough. I think you're looking at, you know, 25 to 30 home runs. I think you're looking at 75 to 85 RBIs. And I think the OPS probably goes right around mid 85s, 850. 850 to 900. I think that's so you're talking about an OPS drop off of 100. Um, I, and that's not bad. That's not bad. No. But I think now's the time to sell high on Ian Hatt. I'm still buying Baez, I'm still buying Bryant. I'm selling half. Is that in Dynasty and Redraft? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I only say that because the market's still unsure about Ian Happ. They've seen really high highs. They've seen really low lows. You may never get this high again. That's why. He might, but you're not going to get higher than this. No. I mean, this is this is, this is is Ian Happ at his best. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So if, if you have him, and I know you're asking me for this from a personal perspective, and you can get fair value of him where he stands right now as a ball player, you do that. And you don't look back. The one thing I would throw and add to this, though, when we started the season, we thought Cubs was a multiple-year rebuild. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. They've took a couple of those years off this rebuild. Cheers to that, brother. Cheers to that. I, I'll tell you. And and that's the thing. I've done a total 180 on this because I've told you they needed to trade Bryant and they needed to trade Bias. I don't think they do that. No. I think they're closer than the fan base thought. And even I thought. <laughs> and And – and should have some money free in 22 to go add, add arms. And Max Scherzer it. makes too much sense. Um, uh, and, and I'll tell I'll give you another one. They need, they need another pitcher. They need two pitchers at least out of this next draft. Yeah. Class. yeah. So I got one more player in May. I want okay. you to tell me about Jock Peterson in the month of May. 314 batting average. Only three homers, 
13 RBIs, the same amount as Bryant, uh, Bryant and Happ. An 8.41 OPS. What's going on there? Uh, you, do you um, do you ever get a player pigeonholed in your own mind to being something? Either they're that they they're not that. Uh, Jock Peterson is pigeonholed to me as a good utility guy. That's not the numbers of a good utility guy. That's way beyond it. Um, and I guess the years with the Dodgers where he really could not find a starting position, yeah. yeah kind of in my head pigeonholed him. But I don't know. Maybe it's a new lease on life. How many times have you seen a pitcher or a player leave somewhere and go find superstardom? I mean, I think of Antolin uh, Simmons a few years ago was a, at best a journeyman in Atlanta that became an elite shortstop for a period with the Angels, you know. So, yeah, it, I guess a player can be reborn. You know, I, I feel like there's a number of things going on there, right? Um, so let me start out by saying this. There's no way he hits 314. No way. That's not sustainable. It's getting ready to get hot in Chicago. Balls fly out of the park in Wrigley in the summer. Yeah. I feel like Peterson's getting ready to hit a lot of home runs. If you're in a rotisserie-style league and Jock Peterson is on the waiver wire, you have to go get him. The homers are coming. He's always hit home runs. They're coming, and they're coming in bunches. Right. I, I feel like he's going to come down to about a 250 hitter. Now, I don't know what his year-long numbers are. I didn't look at that. But So, for May, if he hit 314, that's telling me he's going to hit 220 for a while at some point. And, and I probably would say he's a little better than a 250 hitter, but that's – Again, my my perception of him with L.A., you know? We don't know that, right? We don't know yeah. what he is. That's yeah. the point. So just, again, because they're blacked out here at Indy, I feel like I've neglected them. But you got to give props to them. They're 19-8 in May, the second-best record in the majors. They're now sitting alone in first place in the NL Central with a 30-23 and record. Who's the best team in Central, Randall? I still think it's the St. Louis Cardinals, but I think the Cubs have closed that gap. Uh, If I was picking the division, I would pick the St. Louis Cardinals as the most complete team in the division. But to say it's – and we had a little Brewers love earlier in the year too. But but I I think – I picked the Cubs last in that division, and they're certainly not a last place team. Nope, nope. I was I was wrong on that as well. Now, <clears throat> did the Cubs go out and add at the trade deadline? This is so. I think major league all fan bases want you to add, no matter where you're at. There's a fine line in major league baseball whether you add or not. Are you truly a contender? Are you trying to win Wait, something of a value? 
I'm sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt. Do you want to be a contender? Do you? Yeah, correct. Do you want to be a contender? Are you just trying to win a division? Or are you just trying to break 500? You're trying to win a series in the playoffs? What's yeah, your, what's your, what's your yeah. goal? Right. If you tell me your goal is, the as the Cubs GM, is to make a deep run into the playoff, well, you fire up your trade machine right now and you go start looking for two arms Yeah. immediately. Yeah. The, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is what I get locally a lot. Uh, had basically the same article yesterday. Uh, what do you do if you're Atlanta? Right. Do you do you do you go try to add pieces? Do you really think you're a contender this year? Uh, how about do the Dodgers, as good as the Dodgers were last year, they've added pieces already this year. Uh, so it seems like every year somebody adds that one important piece that gets them over the hump. I, I personally think the White Sox need a veteran off the bench bat. Uh, I, you know, everybody needs something. So, yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Okay. If you're the Chicago White Sox and you know late July, early August, you're getting Luis Robert back. And you know late August, early September, you're getting Eloy Jimenez back. All right. Who are you gonna get <laughs> in the in the trade market that's gonna match that talent? You're gonna get someone to get you to that point, and also someone willing to get three bats a bats a week. You you can't go get someone expecting to play every, every night. Let's 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 think about what we've seen teams go get in the past. Now, and it's turned out great. The Braves kind of went and got Adam Duvall for the same reason, right. to be a righty-lefty platoon two years ago at the trade deadline. Now he's played himself back into the major league contention. Uh, teams have went and got uh, Adam Dunn types. You know, uh, I don't think you can go get an everyday player superstar that helped the White Sox, but that utility guy that's going to take a pinch yet. It's going to, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's a special guy. You know, I always think of Rick Mundy. I'm a little old guy. So, uh, you know, he could sit on the bench for a week and come off the bench and hit a line drive. You know, those guys are worth their weight in gold. Uh, and, 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 and in the American league, you can always pinch hit those guys. I mean, you can always DH those guys. I don't think there's no one you get that re- can replace the two guys you talked about. I mean, there's no one unless you're going to go trade for an MVP candidate. Uh, but, I mean, there's deals to be made. Could, could, the, could, the, could the 
Dodgers uh, use one more middle infielder at this point that could do the similar thing. No, I think they're fine. You look at what Gavin Lux has done with the, the Dodgers. I, I Corey Seager's coming back. I don't think the Dodgers have any worries whatsoever, except for maybe that last starter in the rotation. Um, you know, that was supposed to be uh, Justin or Dustin Mays. And, um, you know, I know Gonsolin's coming back and, you know, uh, David Price has been spotty. But uh, that if I'm the Dodgers, that's the one spot where I'm going after. I, I feel like I- I'll tell you, the injury of Corey Seager to me was a godsend for Gavin Lux. An absolute godsend because he's playing every day. He's producing. He's hitting. He's comfortable in that lineup. He's playing in his natural position. To me, the Dodgers really have set themselves up by addition by subtraction with the short-term injury of Corey Seager. And there's some truth to that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Marvin Gonzalez's of the world, the, the uh, Jackson – here for the world jerks and yeah yeah you just you just just having those bats that, that that's willing to set uh, well but but not not everybody can do that though yeah. either tappy uh, well that's, and i'm i'm saying you gavin lux isn't gonna sit no I, I think he's an everyday player now i think he moves to second base and he plays there from now on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, and, and you know they figure out Chris Taylor and you know um, what have you off of that. But this kid needs to play at second base every Chris day. Chris Taylor has had every chance to own that and position, it, and, and that's the other part of that too, right? Because you look at what's going on in the outfield. Um, Mookie Betts is starting to hit. Cody Bellinger's healthy and starting to hit. All of, a, all of a sudden, Chris Taylor's going to find playing time's not so easy to come by in this lineup. No, I mean, I could see that definitely being an issue. Uh, and, and I agree. I think, I think, I, I, Gavin Lux is a guy that I thought the Dodgers were going to let sit around on their bench until somebody went and got him and made him a superstar. I, I uh, think he's so. their everyday second baseman from now on. I think that they, as soon as, um, as soon as Seager comes back, I think that's what they do. They just they 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 might send them down for a week or two to work on defense, but I wouldn't. I just shift them right over there. You make errors, son. Get back out there because if you think about what that does to that offense, now you got Albert Pujols to platoon with Max Muncie, Max Muncie. To platoon with Justin uh, Turner, and then those two in the middle to go with Mookie Bellinger, and then whoever you choose to put in left field. So the million dollar question we didn't talk about this is going to come down to who's going to be willing to sell here in a few months, and that's the other side of it. There's going to be some teams willing to go on the sale market. Yeah, and and there's teams right now that's going to figure out between June the third. And like July the fifteenth. Oh yeah, yeah. Are are they buyers or are they sellers? Well, and, and one that makes a whole lot of sense to me is the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I, they they've dug themselves a hole that I don't think that they can get out of. Now I don't think they're going to go selling Buxton. 
I doubt they sell Barrios. So you're looking at guys like Jorge Polanco. You're looking at guys like maybe Max Kepler. Um, you know, not the guys that Kenta Maeda might be a guy that gets traded. Um, not guys that you're like, oh, wow, I can get, you know. Right. If I told you you could get Byron Buxton, that changes things, right? Right. Right. If I tell you, if I tell you you can get Max Kepler, that's not quite as exciting. No, and you know, and you know, if the Braves decide they're a seller at the time, they're not going to sell any of that core. But you might. Braves aren't selling, brother. The Braves aren't selling, brother. I'm telling you right now, the Braves are not selling. I I don't think so either. Uh, But there'll be there'll be there'll be people out there that do. But I mean. You would never trade a wrong. You would never trade an Ozzy Albies and no, 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 no. You, you don't trade any. I mean, you know, if, from the Braves' perspective, I'm looking at you got Acuna, you got Albies, and at this point, you have um, Riley. The, right. Those are the three guys that are off limits. You. So outside of that, we can talk. You know, DSB Swanson's probably off limits, right? Yeah. Um, outside of that, if you want, you know, I, I, what if you can get the mother off for Freddie Freeman? Well, that would be hard to do. I know. Because, uh, the one thing about Freddie Freeman is he's such a face of the franchise. It's almost, it's almost impossible to trade him and not be the most unpopular trade. You know, just move across town. They're moving the face of the franchise any day, I feel like. so. And and every day, the Braves are not front page news right now. It's where does Julio land? That's what's on the front page every day of the newspaper. But that's the right thing to do for the Falcons. It is. 100%. It's, I don't think it is the right thing to do for the Braves. I, I don't either. But you can impact your, You can impact your team in other ways. Yeah, and you know. There are um, there are pieces that I could see the Braves moving uh, if they end up 10, 15 games back. I just don't see it happening. Is um, Travis Darnett one of them? Uh, yeah, I think he could. I, that's exactly who I was thinking about. If you yeah. if you're in contention and you want a catcher, you want a especially a platoon catcher. Travis Darnett is is still got tons and tons of pop in that bat and pretty decent pitch hitter. Um, you, you, uh, you, you might see somebody come pick up a relief pitcher or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, and I'm, I really think the nationals may be the team selling in that division before it's over with. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Soto's already having trouble with getting pitched to. How do you, how do you realistically do that? Well, You've got to be willing to convince. Well, first you got to convince Soto you're going to get something to help him, right? Um, and, and I think part of his frustration right now is what you you said. It's I don't know if he feels like there's a lot there to help him at the plate. Um, it's very boomer bust. Yeah, I, I, you know, could you break? the Nationals down and rebuild it in four years around Trey Turner and Juan Soto. You had, 
let me put it like this. You really have to make your optimum trades for Scherzer and Corbin in order to do that. Yeah. I, the, the thing about that with me is I don't trust the Nationals' track record developing talent. Yes. I, I, and, and I'm trying to think of a good example, but there's many good examples of it. Um, How's Carter Keyboom doing? Yeah. I mean – you you look at okay, they got one soda, right? Right. Where's Victor Robles? Nowhere near where he's supposed to be. What about what was the shortstop's name? One uh, or not the second baseman, Luis Garcia. Luis How's Garcia. he doing? How's he doing? I don't even know if he's even playing anymore. What? Well, so, I guess my point is, even so, you can point to Trey Turner. Trey Turner's a San Diego product. Right. So they, they got Juan Soto right. And Trey Turner was a pretty finished product by the yes, time the National. State. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Look at their pitching. What pitchers have they developed? None. So they got Strasburg, who was what, the second or third overall pick? Yep. Didn't have to develop that a whole lot. Corbin and Scherzer were both outside guys. Fetty, they got from San Francisco. I can't remember if they got Joe Ross from somewhere else or not, but at this point we're talking about our fourth and fifth pitchers. They've developed nothing, Randall. No, and I mean, even the people that have left, like, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was going to be a star. He's the first overall pick. Yeah. Anthony Rendon was like the sixth or seventh pick. So I'm reading an article that I happened to bookmark. I didn't even know we were going to hear. I was going to bring it up later. Uh, some of the players possibly available at in teams. And it, and it's, it questions whether if this team becomes a trader, at the trade deadline, the pieces they have that they can move. Right. The number one team they list is the Rockies, which we've all kind of felt like Trevor Story's been on the market. Uh, and Marquez, right-hand pitcher. Cubs, they say, were, were, were for sure a seller earlier in the year. Of course, Chris Bryant, Jock Peterson, not so much now. The Brewers, and this one is hard for me to swallow. Josh Hader. Could the Brewers move away from Josh Hader? Yes. Okay. Rangers, Joey Galloway. Hold on. Gallo. You're just, you're just going to scheme over that. I say yes to that, and you're just going to scheme over that. Uh, I, I was going to come back to it, but no. Okay, we come back. back. We Okay. Uh, I was going to get the rest of them. Joey okay. Gallo, Rangers, easy to move away, right? He's not going anywhere. Uh. Richard Rodriguez and Adam Fraser. Absolutely awesome. Okay. Uh, Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaton, and Jose Quinta, Quinta, uh, Quintana. Quintana. I feel like 
those guys should go at the deadline. But I don't know how they can justify that to their fan base. Kyle Seeger. Stays. Last one. Wait, hold on. Seattle's got a good young team. Right. People don't see them because they're out west. Seattle's legitimate. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying that team is doing it the right way, and in a couple years they're going to be tough to contend with. Okay, go ahead. Sterling Marte from the Marlins. What about him? Would the Marlins move on from him? Expletive no. All right. So the only one that I disagree with, we're going to go back up. How do the Brewers move on from Josh Hader? King's Ransom, man. You, You look at what they have. You look at their pitching. Take their hitting away. I'm not even talking about that. You're talking about Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, one-two. Right? Right. Devin Williams is kind of like a forgotten about guy. You just don't really know where he goes. To me, you put him as a three. And you move fastball Freddy into that closer role. Interesting. You put all your eggs into trading the Josh Hader basket and getting three or four top-tier prospects out of it. I think Freddy Peralta becomes an elite closer as soon as he picks up the ball. The uh, the team would, would probably be more willing – to give up a King's Ransom for a hater because you get him for not just rent a player's status, right, right. but you get him for like two and a half years. So. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I see that happening. I, I, I don't – if you're the Brewers and you're built on – look, I don't know what the Brewers' plan is with Devin Williams. I, I, well, I, I kind of do. The rest in his arm, they're trying to – they're, they're trying to be able to utilize him down the stretch. And I understand that. But I think Devin Williams is a starter. And I, I think you kind of have to start treating him as such. Even while still limiting his innings. To me, he fits in perfectly as that three. Mm-hmm. And Peralta makes a lot of sense in that closing role. So, there's definitely some guys out there that can help a team. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a couple other names that Matthew Boyd's on the list. Yeah, if you're desperate for pitching, yeah, you go. You can go get him. Can I give you a name? Yeah. And I talked about this team at eight, but I didn't mention him. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a pretty good young team. Right. Not necessarily including those plans right now is David Peralta. Uh, how about Andorra uh, Escobar, too? I don't know how you could trade a guy who's hit 13 home runs. I, I, I feel like with at least with Peralta, 
you can justify building towards the youth movement with right. Escobar and with Marte. I, I don't see them. I see them asking too much to really truly move those guys. I didn't think Both about of those guys. Patron, Patron, but that would be yeah. That would be interesting. And they'll be able to do that because of the emergence of Pavin Smith. Pavin Smith and Josh Rojas, both of those guys, fit in really nicely in that offense. And it kind of makes Peralta a little bit expendable. So I keep a little tucked list over here of, of names if we ever run out of time. And on the top of that list is Pavin Smith. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I talked about I, him at eight. Yeah, that's. That's somebody on my little tuck back list of names that did you did you happen to hear my comp? Uh no, I didn't. I I, I heard the first part of the show, but I missed yep. the second part. So so my comp is former Diamondback. Played first base for the Diamondbacks. You wanna guess? No. No, no, now you've got me completely confused. Played first base for the Cubs. You're gonna to have to give me this one, Jappy, because you got Mark Grace. Okay. Mark Grace was a diamond back. That's where yeah, I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. He played for the D backs. And, and you know, um I say that because he's gonna hit for high average. Now, Grace never played in the outfield, obviously. I, you know, I, I don't know that Smith's a true outfielder. Um He's got 15 to 20 homers in him. Like I said, he, he's going to work the walk. He knows how to handle the the, uh, the zone and, you know, probably has a little bit more speed than Grace. But uh, he's that type of profile offensively. Um, and I really like this kid, especially if you're in a situation like our leagues where you can play him at first and in the outfield. Um, right. that, that, in essence, opens him up to first corner and the outfield. And – you know, um, anytime you're trying to figure out 10 position spots, having a guy who can fill four of them is a benefit, right? Absolutely. And also, I think they've moved him from hitting leadoff. And once they did, he went on a 12-game hitting streak. He hit leadoff so, last night, actually. I mean, I, they put Rojas there a lot lately. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a you know situation by situation. Um, but I, I really do like him. Again, in the leadoff, not so much because of where he's hitting, but because he'll have a chance to run more. Um, I think he fits better as like a five or six hitter. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that lineup. So we've run a little bit over on baseball. Do you have any last-second bows to put on this package? I do not, other than – I think I'd be glad to get the all-star break and reset my fantasy team a little bit. You're ready to do that draft, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's funny. We do. in my leagues, I've, I've done this. Um, well, in all my leagues, I've done this. We do minor league rosters and um, we have two minor league drafts. We do half of our minor league draft before the draft, before the regular season draft. And then we do, um, And then we do the other half of it um, at, at the all-star break. And it just, it kind of gives an extra added sense of like, 
you know, bringing everybody together and building. And it, it, it's really neat. So I'm looking forward. I actually have the first pick in the in the All-Star break draft. So I have my pick of all the guys that get drafted, all the guys that are left out there. I'm really looking forward to it, Randall. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Started working on my sheet today. Did you? Yeah. There's there's a lot of talent out there, buddy. There's a lot yeah. of talent. And I've given you some pretty big names tonight, too. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, man. So, football. <laughs> um, I know you're prepping for drafts. I am deep prepping. I actually am uh, writing an article for something that's not yet to be announced, um, but coming in the next month um, about the Bengals and the Steelers uh, fantasy prospects. Yep. We talked a little bit about that last week, right? We sure did. Let's finish up the FC North. All right. Where do you want to start? I where, do you, where do you want to start? I'm better team, better team, Bengals or the Browns? I, I'm a Ravens notes pulled up, and I have something circled four times that I want to bring to my attention and to your attention. Before we go any farther. All right. Who do you think are the lowest two pass a team attempt teams in the NFL the past two years? Probably the two teams we're talking about. The Ravens are the second lowest, and I would have never put that together because it seems like they throw a lot more than that. It, the Titans have attempted the fewest passes in the NFL and the Ravens the next amount. In turn, where do you think they both rank in rushing attempts? Uh, well, I don't think – I know top. Top two, top three. Top, top four. I think one of them top is four, four. one of them yeah. is two. So, it really I, – I, I lowered – I lowered my expectations for Lamar Jackson once I got into the numbers. Um, I don't. I'm not as high on Lamar Jackson as I was, even last year, Chappie. Yeah. Uh, but after I done my numbers, and I'll throw this at you, uh, J.K. Dobbins moved up at six spots, I think, in my running back ranking. So yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm lowering Jackson's projections and moving J.K. Dobbins up. Totally agree. And I started saying that late last year, you know, and, and the reason being um, not so much, not so much about Dobbins. I mean, I think Dobbins is, I, I, I think it's about attempts, not so much attempts. It's about the holes that are opened up by having to stay honest. True. From the speed and breakaway ability of Lamar Jackson. Because when you're running that little buck, whatever you want to call it, where they're taking it in a shotgun and he's sitting to the left or to the right, and you feed that up in there, you cannot bite on it one time. Right. Jackson's going to read that. That's what Lamar Jackson is never going to get the true credit for, is re reading that one cut. Uh, the Ravens, 
actually are an old school offense, and he runs that play better than ad nauseum. That it will it will literally make you sick watching them for an extended period of time. You just get like, oh my god, here it comes. Yeah, yeah. But they're so darn good at it. They're so good at it. Do you has have the Ravens done anything in Bateman, who they drafted, which we've talked about is great route runner, uh, wide receiver. They added Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Have they done anything to the passing game that makes you go, oh, it's going to be remarkably better? Short story, no. Long story, I, I like Bateman quite a bit. I do too, and and, and you've kind of got me on his rails once I, right? Miss, I kind of misunderstood what he was during the draft, right? And um, are they? And I, I know they've been active in it. If they land Julio Jones, does that make a difference in your book? No. The talent why? Why is because I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, buddy. You're gonna go go with it. You got the point. Yeah. Why is because Lamar Jackson isn't a proficient enough passer to get a guy like Julio Jones open enough to make plays that Julio Jones makes. You see it with Hollywood Brown. It's fine if you can get him 40 yards off the down the field on an out route. That's fine. But how often does that happen? Not often. Exactly. So while a guy like Julio might be able to be more physical and take that crossing pattern better, I severely question Lamar Jackson's ability to get it to him accurately. Right. That's not his M.O. And I put Jackson at the front of the second five quarterbacks. In other words, he's in my six, seven range, five, six, seven range. I've seen him as high as three, which would put him Mahomes, Rodgers. No clip him way. He's not there to me anymore in the career. He's not a passer. So here's my question to you, Randall. I know you've done this more than I have. Who's the better fantasy quarterback in 2021? Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray? I have Kyler Murray had it rated ahead of Lamar Jackson. How much higher? I, Kyler Murray is my third quarterback. Yeah, I disagree with that. Well, you know, that, respectfully, I know, but that's that's I I I have it Mahomes, Rogers, Murray. That's I, my. And can I can I give you my respectful reason why? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's what the show's about to disagree and to throw out different opinions. You never offend me. I. I don't believe he ever lives up to that elite. And, and you know I've been a big fan of his. Right. I don't think he's big enough to be able to withstand a 16-game NFL schedule from a hits perspective. A 17-game schedule. Sorry, excuse me. A 17-game schedule. That's going to take – so I'm going to give you uh, – if we were buying – If you're buying long-term futures, I completely agree. I try 
and you cannot do this. If you put the injury factor and the fact that he's, I don't care what they say, five nine at best, right, right, into the factor, yeah, I'm going to lower him a couple of spots. What I try to do when I'm ranking players, and I don't necessarily draft them in the order I rank them. Sure. But what I do is put projections of numbers. And I do go ahead and set it based on 15 games because I figure everybody's going to lose a couple of games. Uh, and his numbers just simply come out higher. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's been so proficient with his – quietly, he's as proficient with his legs – as like the Russell Wilsons were young in his career. And he's not Lamar Jackson, of course, but he's very proficient when he has the ball in his hands. I think he's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Uh, I do too. I, but people, Lamar, for, people forget Kyler Murray didn't run his rookie year at all. No. At all. So – I'll play my own devil's advocate here. If he can adapt going from year two to year three, learn to get out, learn to get out of bounds, learn to find his checkdowns, he could reach that point to where he becomes that third, heck, maybe even second quarterback. You're projecting him. A lot. I'm projecting him a lot. Let's look at last year's well, numbers. Yeah. Last year's numbers threw for 3,900 yards, 26 touchdowns. Uh, he had a QBR of 94 uh, rushing stats. I don't see it here. That's what I want at full. Uh, fantasy, maybe this is where – I made a note that said he had 500 yards rushing, but I, I want to verify that exactly. Uh, da, 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 da. He had 819 yards rushing. Yeah. A rookie year, do you have, no, have that in front of you? I don't. Okay. I can get it. Hang on. My, I'm crazy. He had 500, 544 yards rushing. As rookie rookie. yards. Yeah, I got 544 yeah. wrote down. Okay. 544 and four touchdowns. Last year, he had 819 and 11 touchdowns rushing. Okay, so that's 66 points. So off of rushing touchdowns and 80 points off of his legs. That's 144 points. Yeah. That is equivalent to another, you get four yards for 100. Uh, that's equivalent for another 1,500 yards tacked on to Patrick Mahomes' numbers. So. It's 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 large. It's large. And Jalen Hurts, yeah. I, I I I have Jalen Hurts projected almost in the same realm. Now I didn't project him for eleven. As rounds. Jackson, yeah, not mm. as Jackson as as Murray. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't have Murray rushing for eight hundred yards. I have him at, and I try to just do round numbers. I have him at seven hundred yards and seven touchdowns, fourteen okay. points. Okay, you know. So, so can I can I poo poo on your parade? Yep. So we all remember that hit last year. Um, I think it was a Buffalo game last year. It was a Buffalo, Miami, one of those games last year where he got hit. He hurt both of his shoulders. Right. We all remember it was a Thursday night game. 
if I was good at math, I'd be able to break it down. But so anyway, from week 10 on, Randall, after that injury, what do you think he rushed for? Not much. How many yards a game do you think he rushed for after week 10? 30. I, I, I had him, so I kind of. 30.7. How many rushing touchdowns do you think he had from week 10 to week 16? Two. He had one. Mm. Mm. What makes you think that's not going to happen this year? Uh, you, you hope it don't. But I do, I do come down on my projection. I came off four touchdowns and 150 yards. So I also think Arizona's running game will be a little better. Maybe he doesn't have to. One of the reasons he ran for 800 yards last year is because at time the Arizona run game looked really, really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> So you're talking to the number one Steeler fan here, right? Yeah. What was their big addition in the run game? James Conner. <sighs> Buddy. I don't buy it. Well, I don't buy it. Let me tell you why. <clears throat> the, the run game last year had nothing to do with Kenyon Drake's ability or inability to run between the tackles. Right. It came from the fact that every time there was an opportunity to run for the first two-thirds of the year, Kyler Murray took that opportunity. Right. Until he got hurt, and the whole league knew it, and they all started keying on poor Kenyon Drake. And I don't think yeah. What's changed? Uh, well, two of the starters are actually still on the team, but now listed down the depth chart. Offensive line starters? Yes. Uh, they uh, signed an unrestricted free agent from the New York Giants, Justin Pugh, and they signed a, a – a, a, Hold on, hold on. <laughs> from where? The New York Giants. Okay. Which, what was uh, what was their offensive uh, line like? Uh, horrible, horrible. Okay. He was signed last year and was injured. He didn't play okay. last year. Okay, fair, fair. So you got to believe that. Okay, let me run it by you. Yeah, DJ, go ahead. DJ Humphreys. Okay. Good offensive lineman, decent left tackle. Okay. Uh, and I lost my internet again. Jeez. <laughs> Give me just a second. Uh, you're fine. So I, I guess we're we're kind of at a crossroads here, right? Yeah. Because I don't I don't see the the offensive line being any different than what it was last year. So so I I guess get the point. <clears throat> Has Kyler Murray learned from his mistakes about taking hits? I, I don't think he can play. I don't. I think he's like uh, Russell Wilson. 
I don't think there'll ever be a situation where he don't take some hits just by the nature of his game. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 it's I like, concerning. I like what Cliff Kingsbury said in the press a day ago, and that's really when he said that he has his full trust in Kyler Murray more than he's ever had. I just got to feel – in the third year is when a quarterback comes of age. Um, and you know I love this kid. You, you know I've been a big fan of his. Right. So uh, I've got my thing back up, and it just says, here's the little – four of the five are returning. Humphreys, Pugh, Hudson, and Beckham. Last year, guards play was horrible. And they they brought four different guards to camp trying to find a two guards to play. So we'll see. I like their tackles. I like their senior. But even right. their own website says their guard play was pathetic. Yeah. So, um, I am not a believer in Kenyon Drake either. I actually think they have a better running back. I think they'll be better off. Not with. I don't think Connor is their answer at running back. I think he's. I think he's clearly the backup. Um, Fair. But. So you like Chase Edmonds? I I, I do. I yeah. do. I, and I think when he got on the field, he was productive. So you think Chase Edmonds is a starter? Yes, without a doubt. I don't think without James a Connor, doubt. I don't even that, think that's fairly bold. I don't think James Conner is the more. I think he's the second back in Arizona. Yeah. No, I I I, I don't disagree with that. Also, so, go ahead. Also, that division is kicked up a notch this year because yes, it's going to be running gun and shootout with Stafford now in L.A. Yeah. To already going with Russell Wilson and. Seattle. What's going on in San Francisco? What's going on in San Francisco? There's a good chance that you know San Francisco is going to be in the well, yeah. one way or another. I mean, yeah, whether it, it's yeah, that's the one place Julio lands. It makes a difference to the offense instantly. Well, to me, if Julio goes there, I don't think that to me says that they're more confident in. Uh, Trey Lance, yeah, uh, than initially, yeah. That that's what that says to me. I I agree with you. It kind of says that Trey Lance has got a chance to play a lot this year. Right, right. All right. Before we get going, let's jump yeah. over to the Browns real fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't broke the Browns down near as far as the uh, as the uh, the Ravens. The Ravens happened to be on my list last week. Uh, of course, you got Baker. Yeah, where where do you I call Baker a mid pack quarterback, and I don't have him any better than a mid packer. Uh, he's he's in my list with the Matt Ryan's, and that's where he's at. You know, yeah, I love Matt Ryan. I think he's a great quarterback, but I don't see Baker Mayfield winning you a fantasy league. Uh, so, uh, well, go ahead. yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I have him as a high end QB two. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I I know you know this. I I've always I was a big Baker fan at um, Oklahoma, and the fact that you know the re obviously being a Steeler fan, I know the Browns fairly well. Right. 
this is not ha- Baker's an old school quarterback in that he's a systems quarterback. He is. He's never going to throw 40 times a game consistently. Right. And the Browns want it that way. Right. So he's a very much a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. Uh, right there in that group. Yeah. yeah. It's a very good. But now the Browns are the only team that had two running backs as high as I rated. Mm. Both mm-hmm. Chubb and Hunt. So you've got to – I of course, I called Chubb an RB. You said it wrong. You said it wrong. Hunt and Chubb. Hunt and Chubb. Either way, you write it. <laughs> Both guys get an RB. I just like the way it sounds. <laughs> Both of it. I see the wheels turning. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the only team that has two RB1s when you draft. And I think Hunt may be my last RB1. Uh, I, I don't want to build a team around Hunt, but right. he definitely would be a very – at worst, he's a very high RB2. I th- yeah, um, I agree. I think he's an RB2, but one of the best ones. Uh, Chubb, backside of the first round? Yeah, totally agree. And um, only because he has to share. Yes. You you talk about, you know, you want to talk about offensive lines. Great one. The best. Yep. It's, it's the best in the NFL. And – I don't think it was close last year. You look at yards per carry. It's the best. Uh, it's, what, what they did last year was kind of generational. And they haven't even tapped into – there's quite a bit other talent at the wide receiver yeah. position on this and team. And tight end position. Yeah, and they don't even – They don't have to. They don't have to. That's the best way to put it. They don't have to do it. So, curveball. Better coach. Kevin Stavansky or Zach Taylor? All right. Right now, I was prepared for this one. Ah. I, I have Kevin Stavansky is my better coach. But I'm going to give Zach Taylor an incomplete because he didn't have Joe Burrow for the full year. Right. Uh I, I like the offense Zach Taylor runs better, but the more complete coach right now who has better comp- – that offensive line in Cincinnati was a sieve. So we don't no really about. know what – But I don't blame that on Taylor either, though. I mean – Yeah. So here, I'm going to throw a curveball. Let's go yeah. to the position group. Okay. Where do you rate – uh, Odell Beckham in this year's draft. Jesus. And he may be – let me – let me. this is my note I wrote down. The most talent but least defined group, least defined role of an elite wide receiver. He is in a weird situation. Uh, it, it could get traded even before the beginning of the season. I think it's a possibility. He is very he is very Antonio Brown esque. Very, very much. Josh Gordon esque. He is a loose cannon. That said. He could be a top five receiver this year. 
the the bandwidth on Beckham Jr. is probably as large as anybody in the NFL. Absolutely. And talent-wise, there's no argument to me that, you know, I'm not a huge fan as far as like, oh, this is the one of players I root for. But I saw, I mean, he was so good. When he's on, he's so mm. good. Now, these are not my ratings, but I, I pulled up Pro Football Focus's ratings. Love their, their stuff, by the way. Uh, they have – I'm just looking for him real fast. I thought I knew where he was at. While we're looking for this, though, a very nice two in Jarvis Landry, I think, that gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah, they, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, they're nice compliments. Right. So, what were you wanting to know about Landry or uh, Beckham? Where's, where they got him rated at? Oh, shoot, they got me locked out. They got I gotta, me. I got to sign in. It's all right. I'll find him in just a second. There, I'm signed in. Um, Beckham has a here. Player twenty two is what I got on this list. Wide receiver 22. I got him 37th out of 127. I got him 75.3 overall. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they got Landry at 13th. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't. I totally don't. I, so, I, I, I feel like uh, Beckham maybe almost inverse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I think 13 is a little high for Beckham. I, I really, I do. But I could put him in the teens. Uh, here's the group I have him with, and we'll just go through and play a quick game. Beckham, Beckham, Kenny Galladay. Galladay. Beckham, Robert Woods. Beckham. Beckham, Tyler Lockett. Beckham. Beckham, Chase Claypool. Claypool. All right. So I just read you a section that was right together. Everybody yeah. that I – so uh, – uh, And, and, and that, those are all great. I mean, that, those are great comparisons. That That's uh, right in that group. I mean, those are all guys that you're like, oh, man, this is tough, right? It's where you win your league is picking yes. that guy yeah. right. And then, and then the cool thing about it is, at least I don't know how you do it, but this is how I do it. I say I make those decisions in, in June. Yeah. I'll, and then I go back and I don't even look at that. And I make those decisions again in July. Right. And then, like, halfway through August, I'll make those decisions. And then I'll compare them. And that's how you cut. That's how you read trends. Everybody always wants to know how I do trends in baseball. That's how you do it. You gather data, and you look and see who's trending up. I think Beckham's very well could be one of those guys that you could get in the fourth or fifth round, and you're like, "This was a crazy steal." And, and it's also you got to know your draft. Um, that's, yes, that's what people don't realize enough. You've got to be able to evaluate your own draft while you're drafted. If I'm having a bad draft, I have to be willing to accept 
I really haven't done the things I wanted to do now. So if how I do you adjust? Yeah, how do you adjust? That's when you. That's when I'm more likely to throw the dart at Odell Beckham because you might get him in the fourth round and get top eight production. If I'm having a real good draft, I might go for the Robert Woods there because I feel like he may be the surest thing of that good group. You yeah. Know? Well, and that's the thing, like. You know, I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious. I did pretty well in baseball, right? Right. Well, two years ago, I I didn't do that well. But this year, I feel like I did a really good job. And the biggest part of doing well in any draft is really understanding where the depth truly lies. True. Not perceived depth. Actual depth depth right and i think in this particular draft it's quarterbacks and it's wide receivers correct so if you can get a guy like odell beckham and let's say the third or fourth round and he performs as a wide receiver one you've set your entire team up around that good pick of odell beckham jr right so there's all kinds of strategies to use. This here to me seems like the one running back early. You know, stake your claim, get your one running back. Uh, stake your claim again early at running back. Because I feel like from round four through seven, they are quality wide receivers. And that's yeah. this group we were just talking about. I've had years where I've had worse wide receivers than I just throw that together. Tyler Lockett. Odell Claypool. Beckham and Claypool. Yeah. You can win your league with those three players. Right. Especially if you've been able to get a Kittle early, uh, a a big running back like Derrick Henry, maybe follow it up with Najee Harris or right. something. You've got a monster team. That's not happening, by the way. Well, you know, I'm talking into the flip, so I know, I know. I've got I've got the tenth pick in a my first draft. <laughs> yeah, on, that's not Najee Harris is a first round pick. I, I, I'm just I, I'll be bold. I don't care. Najee Harris is a first round pick. I think picking in ten, I can get him in the second round. Good luck, bud. Or, well, I've got plans if we don't. Let me put it this way: Don't make that plan in our draft. Uh, well, uh, again, it's knowing who you're drafting with. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. These guys are from Nebraska. They all love the Chiefs. I, I can right. tell you now, Kelsey and Mahomes and Hill will are be all going yeah. in the first round. Yeah. So everybody pushes down. So at the 10th pick, I think I may come out with a Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor and still be able to turn the corner and come back with Najee. But they're, one of the guys was on here just a minute ago, so I'm sure he – Ah. But I will finish up real fast with the Browns. Yeah. Two elite tight ends that got had terrible production last year. I don't know if Austin Hooper is elite, but he's paid to be elite. Uh, but overall, I think the Cleveland's got a very fine offense, but they're not a not an offense I'm going to be all over for the fantasy draft. There's pieces to get, and that running back situation is great. But let's face it, the Cleveland Browns are going to win with defense. They have an elite defense and can run the football. So, right. yeah, you know, I'm just 
as much as I like Baker as a player, it doesn't mean I'm going to take Baker in this He's draft. a good QB, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you can match him up with somebody, uh, I'm more and more convinced that the Browns are positioned to make a, a little run here. I don't know if they have enough to win it, but they're positioned to make a run. It's a tough division. Very and tough. any of those teams can make a deep run. Yeah, and, and so just, you know, as we wrap up, um, I don't know that in a fresh draft type of format, I will have any Cleveland Browns. I, I, unless I'm on the backside of that first round, I, I do value if Chubb gets past about the eighth or ninth pick with the group of Jonathan Taylors and the Cam Akers, there's players I like better, but I can see – I could see somebody moving up and getting a couple of running backs I like early there, too. Uh, Chubb is the only one I could really think of. But I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, at the 10 hole, the player I most coveted and going through the rankings and doing mock drafts is Jonathan Taylor. He, I, that's going to be somebody you hear me talk a lot about this year. I think he's the guy that can make a huge leap. And uh, he's somebody I'm going to target a lot. So you like Taylor over Cam Akers? Uh, they're in the same group. If I was picking today, it would be Taylor. But it doesn't mean I don't like Cam Akers. I just have a higher – Taylor, to me, is maybe one to two spots higher than Akers. But I'll tell you, I have Taylor at six in my rankings. So Most you, ranking is how is him at ten. Yeah. No, and I, I'm I'm probably closer to you are. Uh, so I'll ask you this because I know the answer to the first question I have. Acres or Harris? Wow. It's tough, right? I I I think it would be Acres. It's close. I, I would be on the clock making that decision. You know, I'm, ta- I'm taking was, Harris, but I'd be happy with either. Yeah, if I was on the clock at number 10 and it showed up in my queue that it was Taylor, Harris, Acres, I would be happy at 10 if anyone – Say your – say your – say your – okay. Say your pick 12, and you could pick two of those guys. I want – I want if I had Taylor, I'd want Najee, uh, and, and that I know it makes no sense, but I think when you build your team, you need one all-purpose back and one pounder, and Taylor and Acres feels like kind of the same back to me. I I always want to get one guy that's the guy, but also if I had pick three. I would take Derrick Henry uh, just because I want the pounder, you know? Right. Um, I know the old PPR thing, but. Okay. I got to end this on this. Okay. Top four running backs. PPR. Top four running backs? Yeah. Uh, I'm going Dalvin Cook, one. Okay. Christian Christian McCaffrey, two. Okay. Uh, T. 
three. God, three was a tough one, but I went Derrick Henry. It is tough. In a PPR, uh, you went Derrick Henry. I went Derrick Henry, but right behind Derrick Henry, I have Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to have Derrick Henry at three in a PPR, but he's not going to catch 10 passes. So you're just counting on him having 2,100 yards and 20 touchdowns. He's going to let you down some games. I mean, that's – that's, but there's going to be games where he doesn't, where so, he just wins the week for you, right? Yep, yep. I um, tell you Taylor over Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara. So that kind of tells you how high I am on Taylor. And one of the two backs we just discussed is wedged in between them. It's your guy too, by the way. Yeah. So I guess, you know, you're at pick seven. Are you still taking running back? If Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, no. I have a Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams as a back half, top five, top six player. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, I'm probably not taking a runner wide receiver before pick 11 or 12. Yeah, 10. Uh, I might even take Kelsey over a wide receiver at uh, at a late first round pick. According to the league rules, I play in a league that requires you to play a tight end at a tight end position, and we only play two wide receivers, and that makes a tight end worth a whole lot yeah. in that league. Um, my number one wide receiver is Devontae Adams. Yeah. But uh, number two, let me just pull this up because I have a hard time splitting these guys out. Um, I have Tariq currently number two. and it's, I agree. I, I don't love having Tariq, but, I mean, that big play ability. You know there's a, at least three, two or three weeks where he's going to score gonna 30, win you the league. 30 points, and there's going to be a handful of other leagues where he gets you 15 to 25 I, I I don't see another better option, that's for sure. Where do you have Michael Thomas at? I know we're out of time, but I that's a guy him, that was the number one receiver last year, right? I have, I have him at 10th. 10th overall? 10th receivers-wise. Wow. Well, so in front of him, I have – I'm not – yeah, go ahead. I have Evans. Yep. Justin Jefferson. Yep. Calvin Ridley. Right. D-Hop. McCafferty, Diggs, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, and Terry Keel. It's not an obvious place to just say, okay, it's Michael Thomas. I'm going to put him at five. So you have him ninth because you have McCaffrey in there, which is still – right? Am I right in saying that you have Christian McCaffrey in there? Uh, no, no, no. This is just wide receivers. I have him at ninth and wide receivers. I thought I heard you say – anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, I mean, I think it's telling. That, I so think, I, think I, my, said, I said McCafferty for McCa- Metcalf. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. I totally lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. 
we're out of time anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I love having this conversation. And in all honesty, I mean, it's totally organic, right? Like we have no script. Um, I, I, I feel like with football, you know, we're baseball. We kind of know what we're going to talk about. But with football, it's just kind of like, hey, you know, we want to talk about this and this. And we just kind of go off of it. I think we're going to talk about the AFC East next week. I, I could do that. So going into training camp, let's let's just spend five minutes here. AFC North wrap up. What's your biggest story? What are you looking at as a fantasy analyst? Joe Burrow's health. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger's ability to play at 40. Uh, Najee Harris's pr- pr- production in the preseason. Jamar Chase's production in the preseason. The split among the running backs in Cleveland. A lot. That division has a lot of fantasy yeah, players. A lot of moving parts, right? Yeah. That division has a lot of elite players in it to me. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll play the homer. I, I'm interested. I know what's going to happen with Dodger Harris. I could not be more confident. In the Najee Harris story, in the Najee Harris narrative, if you will. Well, I, I think, too, let's give a little advice. If you're drafting early in your draft, like the 1st of August, you can probably get Najee Harris a little lower Cheap, than you yeah. can yeah. after he has three preseason games. So. Right. The, the key storyline to me, and I, I'll admit I'm playing Homer, pecking order amongst the receivers in Pittsburgh. Interesting. I want to know who, what the offense looks like in the preseason. Are, are, Are they going down the scene? Are they running that little extended passing game? Are they running more cuts? Because they got a new offensive coordinator. I think the story of preseason with the Steelers is going to be Juju Smith's involvement in the offense. Well, and I think it's going to be vanilla. Yeah. And vanilla I, I, bean. And and they're not going to show much. But I think by them not showing much, they're saying a lot. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster is one of the best sleepers in fantasy football this year. Where do you where do you have him as far as in your head? Where would you go to a pick? I or- would I would have him low wide receiver two. Okay. I'd have him between twenty and twenty four wide receiver was. Fair enough. And you know, when you look at it, he's gonna catch a ton of balls. Down the stretch, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be big. When there's playoffs on the line, he's going to be involved. I wonder about him in September and October when no one's watching. 
Interesting. It's about consistency for JJC. That's just Juju JSC. That's it. <laughs> I'll get there. I, I, so I was just to wrap up. I was listening to the Pirates game tonight. They're calling him Key Hayes, not Cabrian. I like that. Key Hayes. I like that. So you know, I mean, we're we're all about these these new nicknames, right? So um, JSC, JSS. I'll get it right. I'll get there. I'm going to use it next week. Yeah. So, um, all right, man. Well, we're over. You got anything you want to put a bow on? Uh, I've recorded so much content this week. I think everybody's just sick of me. So I'm going to take a couple away. I'm taking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday away from the mic. And uh, I do want to push one thing. Uh, We are... We've got merch coming in. We're also opening a Patreon. We are not looking for hands out, but if you enjoy the programming and want to support us, just like PBS, we're going to give you the ability to do that. If you join for an annual membership, we're even thinking about putting together a box that go out once a quarter that may have hats and stuff in for you. Don't know what that looks like, but I, I you know, I get a lot of people saying, how can how can we better this network and entertainment? We'll, we'll have more details over the next few weeks. And it's kind of the wave of the future. Uh, the, I, I, I'm a Patreon member to three podcasts. And those are the things I listen and watch at night. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, i tell you, I know we both have big things going on. And, you know, we, we do it for the fun, not for the notoriety or any of that right. stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll continue to bring us bring this this pro- quality product to you, and you know we'll adapt as we go. Um, but you know a- a- until then, you know the other angle Thursday nights at ten. You can find us on iLogicMedia.com. You can also find us at Chappie's Fantasy Sports Group as well as River City Media. Um, what do you want to plug, Bud? Marion Messenger. Marion Messenger, of course. So thanks to everyone. We have great sponsors. We have great support. Uh, we, we, um, we, we appreciate you guys so much. So we'll see you guys next Thursday. Until then, you know, if you got any questions, you can hit us up uh, on our pages or however you want. Um, but see you guys next Thursday.